welcome to the Wellbeing and Career World podcast. I'm delighted to be chatting with Master Certified Life Coach, keynote speaker and certified facilitator providing clients with expertise in the areas of relationships, empowerment and purpose. Today we'll be chatting about the art of marriage. A very well welcome to the podcast, Veronica E. Williams. A very good, well, morning where you are or afternoon where I am in Ireland. So how are you getting on, Veronica? And what's the weather like? Here it's rainy and cloudy today in the 50s. Oh, great. Is that the, if that's a 50 Fahrenheit, is it? Yeah, 50 degrees. Oh, 50 degrees. 50 degrees Fahrenheit, yes. Oh, okay. Because over here we use Celsius. So 50 oh. degrees, it'd be really hot for us in, in Europe. But uh, in, in America, that's it's cold Fahrenheit it's not too bad so I gave a brief introduction about your background so can you let our listeners know more about you yes I am originally I'm now currently in the Washington metropolitan DC area however I grew up on the west coast in southern California through a city called Compton California I'm not sure if you're uh, familiar with the movie Boys in the Hood oh yes um that that's my life. That's what I lived in. Thank goodness for my parents, though. That wasn't something that they instilled in our lives. So they did a lot of upbringing us through our faith and realizing that we're just because we're from there don't mean that we are we're stuck there. I'm from a family of 11 and I'm number 11. There were seven girls and four boys and my parents were a great example of marriage for me. They were married 57 years. Wow. Until my father passed away in 2006. You know, you would say they were married that long. Well, I'm pretty sure that there were some bumps and bruises that they had to go through to, in the end, after 57 years, have a healthy marriage. Currently, I am a mom of three. I have an older son and who's 17, and I have twin, fraternal twins, boy and a girl, that are soon to be 14. I've been married for almost 23 years. Um, one thing about my husband and I is that we went to junior high and high school together. We never dated in those years, but we connected back after uh, here in America, we have a class reunion after 10 years of high school, and we connected then. And from there, we became very good friends. And ultimately, we have a, we call it a holy hookup love affair. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> You'll have to tell us more <laughs> what a holy hookup is. Can I ask, Veronica, right, does it, this is going to be, this is going to sound very Irish, but 11 children, okay, we need to ask, was there any TV in your mom and dad's house? How come 11 children? That's a lot I of kids. Know. <laughs> I know. Well, to be honest, during the time my parents were growing up, there were large families were in the making. Right. Um, in fact, my mom, my mom was from a family of 19. 19? And my, my, my dad was from a family of 13. No. And even <laughs> with some of their siblings, there's some that have between 10 to 5 children. And then there's some that have one or two there. Wow. That's, that's pretty impressive. Do you, do you want to say hello to your, your children, your, your fraternal twins and the, uh, the other child? So you have... One boy, one girl that's paternal. Yes. And, and so what's their names? Janiah and Josiah. And what's the other one? My oldest son is Joshua. He will Hello. soon to be a senior in high school. Uh, what does he hope to do in college? Right now, he's just discovering and researching 
what exactly right. he to kind of narrow it down to see eventually what he wants to do later on in life yes so that he'll know what he wants to focus on his freshman school year in high school in college so can i ask then veronica so for for listeners that have never seen boys in the hood what what type of how could you compare it living in that environment growing up in in uh, in california well living in living in california during the time that I was growing up, it was becoming heavy drug populated and heavy gang violence populated. And there was a color code to your neighborhood. You know, I lived in a neighborhood where we were called the Bloods, or, or we were called the Crips, sorry. The Crips, <laughs> okay. We were called the my neighborhood community, my community in my neighborhood was called the Crips. That means that our color code was blue. Okay. So <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah. There was another neighborhood called the Bloods, which I had mentioned earlier, and they wore red. So sometimes based on your color code, you were identified whether you were a Blood or a Crip. And right. so um, with that, it became, that's where the initiation of territories came up came to be. And so that's what it was like. Main, making sure that you weren't caught alone in an outside neighborhood that does not, that that has a, a beef, which we call it, with your your community. And did you did you feel unsafe in that environment or did you get used to it after a period of time? Yes, you you knew what areas not to go in after a certain hour. Anything before 6 p.m., you were pretty safe going in. But anything after, say, 6 o'clock in the winter when it got dark, you knew to watch yourself and not go out as much because then you could be attacked or questioned about your neighborhood. And if you came up with the wrong answer, it didn't always look too good. It wasn't too, it sounds bad, but there were some times when you didn't have to feel unsafe. For my community, even though we were in that area, it wasn't nearly as bad just on my particular street or block is what they call it. However, you know, you could feel unsafe at times and it, it did become a way of life. And that's just how it was. What about what about your mom and dad? I mean, you said they were married for 57 years. I mean, how how did they manage 11 children yeah, in, my ma- in, in that environment? My mom and dad were very strict. We had rules what time we had to be in. Okay. And, uh, and we were considered a, a family of faith or a religious family. And so they instilled those religious principles outside of what was going on you know outside of our household you have the drug infested kids you have the kids that are going joining gangs and things like that but that was not condoned in our home and so that was a way of keeping us out of the conflicts in the surrounding neighborhoods and on our block so we they did a very good job I think it was much prayer and steadfastness to make sure that they instill consequences and discipline. Whereas in our faith, we had a fear of God, but in our home, we had a fear of our parents. So there were some heavy consequences. So I think by our parents instilling fear in us, we were too afraid to go out and get involved in things that were not condoned in our home. 
That's how I equate it for me. And I think what helped me compared to some of my peers is that my siblings weren't out there in the streets, so to speak. Um, Whereas some of my friends' siblings were out in the streets and they were more influenced by that. I had more positive influences than I did negative influences in my home through my sibling, my older siblings, which helped was my path to guide me and steer me in the correct way. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, so you you mentioned again, sorry, you mentioned there with regards to your mom and dad being married 57 years. Uh, is there a perfect marriage then? I mean, your mom and dad pretty much they stayed together for a long, long time. So it, is there a perfect marriage? I would say that there is no perfect marriage, but I would say that there are um, healthy marriages out there. And what I mean by that is that couples are mutually respectful to one another and loving each other and working to make their marriage work by communicating and doing the things that are necessary to be understood. And I say that because after all, all of our marriages are made up from two different people from two different types of backgrounds. And so you have to communicate with one another as to what your desire is and work it out from there to make sure that you live up to what your expectations are for that marriage. Can that be a problem, Veronica, that you mentioned that if if two people are from different backgrounds already does that cause a problem for the future ahead because of differences or is it possible to go beyond those differences and have a good marriage or a healthy marriage as you say yes it could be it could be basically it depends on the couples you know you bring in what you you put out what you bring in So what I would say to couples is that we all see positive and negative things in marriages. However, for a specific couple, they need to bring in the good and bring in your best self and work it out that way. It takes, you know, it takes a lot to marriages work. And I think couples have to be willing to put in the work to get the marriage as to what they're what they are desiring. And for after all, why are they coming together is a key question to ask. And then from that, what uh, do we want our marriage to be? When you discuss and communicate your differences, you figure out what pieces we want to bring in and what pieces we don't want to. And then what things that we can add together to make our marriage um, a success. So why then is it that some marriages break down? I mean, you, you've been married now, is it 20, 23 years? Yes, I've been married for 23 years. So why, why then do other marriages break down? Is there is it just a case of one of the couples or partners decide they've just had enough? Or is it dependent on their circumstances at that time? Why does it happen usually? You know, there's lots of reasons why there's marriages that break down. A couple that I think is because of communication, trust and honesty in the marriage are, are just a few. And the list can go on uh, and on. It could be their background, which I call sometimes couples bring in baggage that they don't want to discard of okay. <laughs> um, that causes a problem. They, they really want this, you know, but it's not healthy and it's not good for the marriage. You know, the thing is all marriages aren't 
they don't fit into one mold. You know, you have to do the work to process what's good, what's bad, what's going to work, what's not going to work in order for it to become um, to a healthy uh, result. Because they all develop, like you said, from different backgrounds. What we see, you know, there are some couples that saw a good marriage or what they consider a good marriage. The positives are the negatives. And then there's couples that never are individuals that never saw people in their family married. They only maybe lived together or they only had children together and never was a husband or a wife to one another. So you have to decide and you learn as you're younger and you envision these things about what you're seeing. Is this what I want my life to be? Is this what I would like my marriage to be? And decide from there. You know, my parents being married 57 years, there probably was a lot, some good and some bad. But I had to decipher to take the good. And then my husband saw good and bad in his through his parents. His parents were divorced and he saw what that was like. And so you would ask the question, can someone like us be married and be successful uh, when one person had a divorce in their marriage? And the answer is yes, because do you are you willing to put the work out to make your marriage become what the two what the two of you want it to be? And you talk about it. You, you you set goals for your marriage. If something was to come up that was a challenge, you discuss it and you figure out how can we not allow this to continue to come up? And if it did come up, what are some of the resources out there to help us get through this situation? And so that's how I think, you know, marriages that do break down can still thrive. And Veronica, what about then, you know, you mentioned their resources. So are there any steps or techniques for couples, you know, who may be finding it difficult? I know you mentioned like communication, uh, you know, discuss things with each other. But is there any like formula to kind of simplify things for couples who may be finding it difficult? So what I would say with the communication piece is so is so key. And the reason why the communication is so key I like this analogy from a book by Dr. Emerson Eckert, and he talks about women and men seeing through different lenses. For men, they see through blue lenses, and for uh, women, they see through pink lenses, right? That right there already sets up differences. Um, The couples can see the same identical situation that they're going through. And look at it in such a different way. And that's because of their differences. I would say that couples could also not just communicate, but they can seek out another couple that has a healthy marriage and that will be able to provide wisdom and their, their experiences of what they've had to learn and go through and their challenges to get their marriage to where they are. I would also say that couples need to seek out marriage counselors or either relationship coaches to navigate through their through their concerns in their marriage if they're if they can't work them out together. You you mentioned there, uh, Veronica, that you know, like the lenses, you know, men see through a blue lens and women see through a pink lens. So say, for example, we talk about perception then. If if a woman was to look towards a man prior to marriage and the man was quite financially stable, for example, and that was a big plus 
for the woman. And then for some unknown reason, during the marriage, the stability of the man's finances has has stopped and the perception of the woman now is kind of oh well i was looking for stability there i was looking for financial stability how how then can you get over that because you've mentioned correctly communication is a big is a big thing so how then can we change that keep the marriage going when the circumstances change within the marriage well for a situation like that perhaps that individual got married for the wrong reasons. Okay. Because if you're getting married just for someone's financial stability, as you said, finances change all the time because jobs change, um, economies change, you know, all of those things are things that will be situations or circumstances that can create my financial status differently. So I would say that when you do decide to marry someone, that you marry them from a foundation that will last. So if you're only marrying someone because they're financially stable at the time that you're getting married, you're right. The marriage will not probably, um, um, the wife will look at that individual a little differently when things change, right? Yes. But when you say I do and you get married, you're saying I do to every part of that person, whether it's his good, the bad, the change in his financial status. We're to work together in marriage. It's not a one-sided partnership. It takes two people to be married and it takes both of us to keep it where we want it to be. And so we have to uh, make sure that it's not just relying on one person and on one thing because when that thing is gone what is your foundation for that if you love the person and you love them with your whole heart and you you love every part of them the good the bad and the unknown that comes out later on in the years right yeah that will keep you going but if you're only doing it for he looks good she looks good she could be my trophy you know or he he makes a lot of money and I can go spend, spend, spend. Well, that marriage from the beginning is already on to disaster because we you have to set some goals in that marriage, even if you got married under those premises. So I would say absolutely the perception and the lenses and how we view marriage. It takes a discussion because we all view marriage a little differently. Um, going back to that seeing out of blue lenses, I like the way the author um, really puts it. He puts it this way. He said that if a woman was to go in her closet and find that she has and, and take this statement, I have nothing to wear. When a woman goes in her closet, she looks around and she's like, oh, I have nothing to wear. Well, for the woman, that means that I have nothing new to wear. There's plenty in there you can wear. You just don't have anything <laughs> that's sticking out that's new, correct? Yes. Now a man goes into his closet and he says, oh, I have nothing to wear. Well, what the man, that statement to a man means that I have nothing clean to wear. Everything <laughs> in my closet is dirty, you know? <laughs> and so if you look at it like that and you look at it, so we both, if we both go into this marriage with different perceptions and never kind of identifying what our differences are, it can never be worked out. But if we go in and we realize with, and, and, and part of that is expectations. Having real expectations of this marriage is where, is one of a, a good tool to use as well. Especially when you have the 
one person getting married because she's beautiful and another person getting married because I know that he can take care of me because he makes lots of money and I'm a shopaholic. Well, what happens when that changes? And that therein lies a disaster of a marriage that may end in divorce or that may just continue to struggle because they haven't sought out help to figure out and communicate with one another as to what they need to do to make it a little bit different than what it's looking at now. Veronica, I mean, have you ever had anybody or any couple or any partner from uh, a couple come to you and say, I had this feeling before marriage, it just didn't feel right, but I still got married because I loved them. How, if you have that feeling, should you should you go with that feeling and say there's something not right here or try investigate it a little bit further to find out why you're kind of thinking oh, this, this, this doesn't feel right but I, I love them but I'm going to still marry them because people don't change do they or can they change people don't change well let, let's say this you can't change people yeah I think that's what people think they think that they get into this and I can change him but you can't not change them. You can only change yourself. Given the example that you gave, I would say that if someone got into a marriage and they feel like something's not right, I would say, go with that feeling, put a pause on the marriage and kind of explore what that issue is before saying I do. Here in America, we call it red flags. If you, if you are notice, noticing something that doesn't seem about right, you know, I would say you need some caution tape. Like if you're in, you know how when you're at a construction site and they have a yellow construction type, the yellow construction tape. Yes. And it says hard hats beyond, no hard, hard hats beyond this point. Yes. What happens in marriages when it's like that? That red flag is really saying caution. Yes. Hard, you know. We want to tear the tape down and do it anyway. <laughs> and, then, and, and then that's why we come out injured, abused, neglected, you know, yeah. having a um, broken, you know, we come out like that because we didn't, we didn't pay attention to our feelings. Our feelings mean a lot and you don't marry off of feelings. And so when you feel something's not about right, I would say investigate it, talk about it seek out counseling to kind of help you figure it out because and then say you had an individual that don't want to talk about it and they blow you off because that's usually what happens you have a feeling you share it with the partner they give you some answer that blows you off and then now you forget about it you say well I'm gonna marry him anyway well the red flag is pay attention caution Put a pause on the wedding and it's okay. There's no embarrassment. There's no judgment. You're doing the right thing. That's called having wisdom um, until you guys can figure out what this is and until you can really have some solace with that feeling. That's a good answer. No, very good, good, good advice there. What about when married couples, say one of the couples works away a lot and then the partner who's usually at home, either with the kids or just alone in general, while the partner is either away on military duty, Air Force duty, business, what what can you do? I mean, what, what can they do to try and keep the marriage alive, especially when one of the partners is maybe away for three or four months or more? 
Right. Well, first of all, they actually, the both parties need to sit down and look at their pros and cons of their jobs and the look versus the priorities of their marriage. But going back to if it's on a military standpoint where either spouse can be the wife or the husband, you have to really sit down and know what those responsibilities are going to be in the marriage and decide if that's something you are capable of handling. Because in the military, they're not only gone three, four months, they can be gone a year if they decide to do half of the duty so that they can keep the family in place. But it takes talking it out and it takes being aware and attentive to the needs of the other individual. Whether it's if it's the wife that is home with the children all the time and just feeling like she has no breathing room, she needs to share that with the spouse. And when he, if it's military, when he comes home, he should be alert and see how tired she is and uh, be willing to help because it's not one person in the marriage, it's both of them. And they have to figure out how to navigate through this tough time and realize it's not going to last always, but how can we work through these challenges right now? It takes communication. It takes writing the pros, the cons. Setting goals is really very key here, especially identifying you know, what can I do to assist my spouse that's with the kids all the time to not feel so overwhelmed and to feel like they have a life, they have a place other than just the family or just the kids all the time. Uh, And that's their role, but identifying how they might be able to help them. What are some things that are there that can help that person not feel so overwhelmed and consumed and feeling as though they're less than, because they're not, if that answers it a little yeah. bit. It is, do you think then, Veronica, I mean, obviously this is up to, you know, a couple's opinion and what, what they want to decide to do, but if you're marrying anybody who does work abroad a lot, and you know this before you marry them, and you, whether they're in the military, the Air Force, or you know, they're, they're entrepreneurs and they have to travel the world. You know, are you setting yourself up then for a little bit of trouble later on, especially when you know this is their career prior to marriage? Are you better off just quitting and moving on rather than marrying them? Well, the, the thing is, even if you had a military spouse, because uh, I'm a military, um, I'm, I'm a spouse of a military husband. He's now retired, but when he was there. So I knew that I had to move from California to the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. And I knew that my husband's job traveled. I had to realize that, okay, Veronica, you know this. Are you going to be able to survive in a state Um, by yourself when he has to travel? Are you going to be able to handle this? I took all those factors in there. I I talked with my husband, detailed about his job and what it entails and all of that. And at the end of the day, we mutually agreed that this is what I can, I'm up for the task, especially me. I agreed knowing everything about his job, knowing that there were going to be times we weren't going to be together and we were going to be separated. And that even happened when we had our first son. I was willing to go through all of that. You don't say I do half-heartedly. When I said I do, I said, I'll be able to take everything about you. 
whatever the job is, whatever the changes that come later on that we don't even foresee. It's not necessary that it doesn't work, but you have to mutually agree and work out the realistic expectations in that marriage and in those situations that come up and be able to help one another get to where they need to be. Do you think, Veronica, that love is like a drug? And (laughs) I'll try and explain it a bit more because when we're in love, nothing else seems to matter. And we're happy, things are great. But have you ever had anybody or any couples come to you and you know, they were in love, yep. but they didn't take into account the legality of marriage as well. Is that a problem as well, where there was no discussion whatsoever that like, OK, if this doesn't work out, you know, you're going to get this. I'm going to get that. You're going to get the dog. I'm going to get the cat. And I mean, did they ever does that ever come up in in these couple therapy chats or have you ever heard of this before? Yes, it comes up all the time because people What happens is when couples meet, they put on their best representative. And that best representative shows the other individual that everything you say you want, I'm it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like you say, they put on all of that, right? Yeah. But after they say I do and after the marriage, their real true self comes out. You know, you showed me some of you in the marriage, which was red flags, but I I didn't care. I still wanted you. Um, love can be like a drug, but I think love endures all. Love is compassionate and it's understanding and love, love sees the individual as who they are and not as who I want them to be. And that goes back to that realistic expectation of what you're, you know, because we both look at love differently and having that conversation when someone say, I'm in love with you. I love this man. I got to have him. There's another deeper question is for to be had and talked about what is their perception of love? Is it just that I like them because I'm feeling this right now? But if something was to change, am I still going to love that individual? No, I was going to ask, have you any advice, especially during the, this pandemic? I mean, have you any advice for couples that have been kind of stuck indoors for the last number of months and are finding it very difficult to, instead of having lots of time apart, because usually they're working or you're going out with activities or hobbies, and now they find themselves together 24-7. Yes. Is, is there any help? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And, and, and you know what? This, this pandemic, was the test of marriages. And I think when couples had to come home in this pandemic, like you say, and and you're with them 24 seven, before I had a break because I went to work and I didn't have to see you all day. (laughs) But I think you have to kind of still give that person a little bit of room and a little bit of space and know, you know, there's no boundaries in marriage, but yet when you come home and you're in each other's space where it's irritable, where you're irritable and where you're irritating more, I see more things uh, or qualities that I dislike than I like. You need to talk about it. You need to talk about, okay, you know, you both can't work in the same room together because one is louder than the other, right? So what's yeah. what's a better solution? <laughs> Can I work in the bedroom and you work downstairs, <laughs> you know? But it, it takes talking about it and it takes communication. So before the pandemic and you had no communication, don't think that because the pandemic happened, 
than it was going to get any better. And even if you had problems before the pandemic, and what I would say is not so much problems, but unresolved issues, you're now in the pandemic and you're forced to deal with those unresolved. And that's where communication is a big piece. And that's where it takes, instead of like going head to head in conflict, let's see how our conflict can draw us closer. Let's see how our differences can help us grow to, to, to love each other a little bit more. And not only just love, but respect each other and mutually uh, work this thing out that, you know, being stuck together 24-7 now, not be such an irritant, but yet, <laughs> but that we embrace it to, to make it a, um, a joyous time where we can just learn more about each other, see where our changes took place over time in the marriage and the relationship. And then work through it that way. You know, another part of Dr. Emerson's Eckert's book about love and respect is that the reason why couples have this conflict and are on this, he considers it a crazy cycle, is because the the the, the wife is desiring love. She's 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 really needing some love, right? Yeah. And she's not getting it from her husband. So now what what does she do? Her way out is that she's disrespecting him. And in relationships, men are desperately needing to be respected. Mm -hmm. And so if a husband show his wife love, he will be respected and vice versa is why. And when that doesn't happen, that's why you got this conflict, this unresolved issues. But if we learn to sit down and, and see what are we really fighting about? What am I really crying out for? You know, I'm acting out this way because I was really ex- expecting this from you. or I was needing some love and I didn't feel like you were loving me right now in your tone or in anything like that. And he's feeling like, well, you know what? I, I would have taken the trash out, but I felt disrespected in just how you kept nagging me about it. So if they really get to the root cause of what they're really experiencing, then they can stop all of that. You know, you can get off of the roller coaster and you can just start living a life to say, well, why am I really married? Are you married just to say I'm married? Are you saying married or or, or are you married just because this is the first person that asked you? Are you married because, you know, this was your only choice and you felt like you were at an age that if I don't marry this person, I'll never be married again? It's so many variants in, in, in there. But the root cause of all of that is getting to the real issue here. Why am I, why am I acting the way that I'm acting? What is this person not meeting in my needs? What are my needs? That's really what we're saying when we're when we're having these conflicts. If we just zoom out and see, wow, I'm acting like this because I was really feeling like he didn't love me, or I was acting like this towards her not realizing she just needed me to just say, honey, you look beautiful. You know, honey, I love you. Or I'm glad we, we woke up together today. What a wonderful day. And then she responds positively. And then now he feel, feels respected. So that is really the root cause of some of the relationships is that people are not really looking at the real deeper issue. And it's all about what, need is this person not fulfilling in me right now and what am I not receiving from this individual and that is why you have such differences and such conflict 
But if you can just zoom out <laughs> of the situation and really look at it and really figure out, like, I'm acting like this because of X and I'm acting like this because of Y, then I think you can kind of draw closer together and really identify, like, here's what I need. And here's, you know, and, and, and is this a real expectation of, of, of my that I have of my spouse? You're, you're a master certified life coach and certified facilitator. So if couples were to get in touch with you, what services do you provide and how can you support couples and, and organizations that, that want to get in touch? If they wanted to get in touch with us, they could reach us on our web, our website and on Facebook through Alliance Seminars, one word, dot org. That is Alliance Seminars dot org. You know, our mission is just to support individuals with strategies and skills that strengthen their personal and professional relationship. You know, we like to collaborate with these individuals and, and even organizations just to improve their leadership skills, which kind of increases their individual quality of life and even their business culture. And is, is it a case of, I mean, do you do, is it a certain amount of sessions that you do? Or is it just dependent on the couple of how they're progressing and how feel, how they feel comfortable? Yes, for, for a newly, for a engaged couple, we do about eight sessions and that's about almost eight to 10 months. That's like a year out from when you're getting married. Wow. Okay. Um, because <laughs> yeah, because most people are saying what we, we got engaged today, we're getting married next month. Well, that's a bit too soon. We sometimes, there's a planning that goes in that. Right. Yeah. But even before a couple is considering like, I think he's the one or she's the one or we're we're going we're anticipating getting engaged. That is the time where they can go and get premarital counseling or premarital coaching um, to kind of identify how the red flags and learn what their roles and responsibilities are in marriage. For couples I consider that are already married and I call it hiccups that are having some hiccups. <laughs> Can't figure out what's going to stop this hiccup? <laughs> Can't figure out what's caused this hiccup. We, I, I, I say again, there, uh, you can seek out either marriage counselors to really get to some really deep, deep, deep issues, or you can seek out some um, relationship coaching like we do, finding out how we can navigate through this problem so that we can, we can thrive in marriage later on, and then identify some goals and you know, to help this marriage become healthy, you know, um, just because you you have issues or concerns in a marriage don't mean that you cannot work through it to be healthy, but you both have to mutually want it. One person can't want it. You both have to want it. As you've, you've said pretty much across the, the, our chat today, I mean, communication is, it's one of the biggest things, isn't it? Yes. Communication is a big thing. You know, one of the things you know, one other thing I, I, I would like to say is getting the help is not a bad thing. A lot of people don't want to get the help, but the help is going to help you in your marriage because in a marriage, you have to become vulnerable. Yeah. And the only way to become vulnerable is that you learn, to, you feel like you can trust this individual. You feel that this individual can be your confidant. That's where the communication comes in. I can share everything with this individual. And a lot of people don't have that and they don't have people in their lives 
that tell them that, you know, if you're faith-based, you know, because Alliance Ministry is a faith-based veteran, Alliance Seminars Coaching is a faith-based veteran organization. So we stem by being at faith because I find that faith is the key to just navigating through this life, good or bad, personal, you know, personally for you individually and as a couple. That's good. It's good advice. It's, um, I'm learning myself that, you know, how how important communication is. Before we go then, Veronica, I've checked your website here. We spoke about allianceseminars.org. And you have some pretty cool pictures of you, uh, President Bush and President Clinton. Why? How? How come that happened? (laughs) Well, as I mentioned earlier, my husband was in the military. And part of his job is that he worked with the White House Communication Agency, who supported the presidents and the vice presidents. So one of the pictures there, you see us with former President Bill Clinton and First Lady Hillary Clinton. That was a year when they were in office that they gave a Christmas party and they invited nobody but the military that supported them throughout the year. And that was their way of thank you. And as a result of that evening, it ended with getting a photo opportunity with them. And so that's why you see us there with the Clinton. The other picture you have there is with former President Bush Jr. And that was when my husband was leaving to retire out of this organization in the military. And as a thank you to the military who helped serve and support the president, the White House agency, the White House staff, meaning the president and vice president and all of their staff, you got an exit picture with you and your spouse with the president. And so that picture is a retirement picture opportunity that my husband and I had with former President Bush Jr. And and what was it like? How did you feel? Because I mean, um, I know it's such an honor to meet any American president, but what, how did you feel? Were you excited? Were you nervous? Did they keep, did, did they, I always wondered, do they have an aura about them? Do you feel this aura when you meet them? Yes, you are nervous because you're like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe I am here, you know, (laughs) with the president of the United States of America. Right. Yeah. Um, Well, Bill Clinton, he and Hillary were so laid back and friendly. Um, I always joke that uh, the way that we are in that picture, I always think how how I always laugh because Bill, I call him Bill, just because that's just how they call him, <laughs> President Bill Clinton. Let me say that uh, for the for the um, respect out of that. They were very friendly and outgoing, and they wanted to be there. It, it it was they made you feel like you were a really good friend of theirs, and they right. did that for everyone that took that picture. With President Bush, he was equally just a comical character. He made you feel so relaxed that you forgot you were there for taking a picture. And if I can be honest with you, he was making us laugh. And the the picture, listen, the picture, when we actually got it, my eyes was closed because I was laughing and I didn't know that they were taking the pictures right away. He did it in (laughs) such a way. And so my husband has a uncle who is an artist. And he was able to um, put eyelids on me <laughs> right. so that 
that picture would come out so good. So behind behind every picture, there is a little small funny story. So he did make you um, laugh and be relaxed, and you just let them. You let them. You 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 left there like wow. I am so honored, but I also had felt as though I've known them for a while. Right. And given given the state of the world on their hands, that these opportunities, they embrace them well to not have the weight of the world on their shoulders for just a few minutes, but to thank those who gave them the opportunity to be able to do what they do on a daily basis. And are you, is that is that the Oval Office that you're with President Bush? Yes, that was the Oval Office. Wow. And what was that like? Oh, it was awesome. You know, you wasn't able to touch anything, right? You just go right to the position where they had us to to, to, right. to, uh, to take the picture and then you left. Okay. <laughs> they, they switched you in. They, they, they uh, quickly moved you in and they quickly moved you out because there was not, it was other people behind us that was also retiring. So it was a line of, it wasn't just us that day. It was other military soldiers and women that were that were retiring from the services that day it was all services as well my husband was retired from the army but there were some marines some uh, navy and air force individuals there as well to take pictures with their spouses for their exit of their military service and in retirement are either after four years of completion it's, it's fascinating to see i mean uh, president bush and president clinton they look quite tall I mean, I don't know how tall you are or your husband, but they look tall. Yeah, they are tall. They are tall. Amazing. Um, they are. They are both tall. I'm. Um. They're about six three and six two. One of both of them. One. One is six three and one is six two. My husband is about um like five nine six feet, and I say I'm five four, but I'm really about five two and a half or right. five three. <laughs> Oh my word! I tell you. So, so yes, they look quite like giants to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I right. would have to ask my husband because my husband also served and worked with, as you say, Bush Senior, right, um, on Air Force two, two when he was the vice president, and and Air Force One. Wow, amazing! So, I mean, I'm, so he's worked with both with both dad and son. Right. Over his years of military service. Amazing. Amazing honor. I mean, well, well, well done to you as well and your husband for, for meeting them. So I just want to say thank you so much, Veronica E. Williams, for chatting with me today on the Wellbeing and Career World podcast. We'll put all the links in. And if you need to get in touch, it's the uh, website is uh, allianceseminars.org. So thank you so much, Veronica, for chatting with me today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me.